Thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to www.slack.com to learn more. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Had fun with you with Mailbag last month. Thank you again for all your wonderful Mailbag submissions. As promised two weeks ago, promised four last week, but we've already corrected that, and now delivered for you today. It's time to review stock picks that we made on this podcast one year ago this week. It was early May of 2016. The stock market at that point, by the way, had been down about 2 or 3% over the previous 12 months. Much has been made about how the stock market annually has not been down for about eight years now. But the truth is, if you look at it from different points of view, at least when I did this podcast a year ago, the market had been down to that point, those 12 months. And so it was kind of a fun time to pick stocks. Now, I also want to mention one other funny thing because I did listen to that episode once again. It's the May 4th episode from 2016, Five Winners in a Thinking World. That's what we will be reviewing this year, this week. But last year's episode was the first time I ever read an ad on Rule Breaker Investing. In fact, for the whole Motley Fool, it was a big week because for the first time, advertisers actually wanted to pay to be heard on Motley Fool podcasts. So, kind of fun. And those of you who've gotten used to listening to ads on Motley Fool podcasts know that Rocket Mortgage is a big promoter of Motley Fool podcasting. And for the record, let it show that that was the first ad I read a year ago on this podcast this week Rocket Mortgage. Now, in thinking about five winners in a thinking world, I want to go back to the Michael Bloomberg quotation that I read one year ago on this podcast and just refresh your memory. So, I read this Bloomberg quote. He had just spoken to the University of Michigan. I believe it was their business school graduation. Might have been to the undergrads. Actually, I think it was probably to the undergrads. Anyway, you can look it up on the internet. But he'd said in his graduation speech these lines, which really frame up the five stocks and what we're doing this week. So here goes again. He said, quote, for 3,000 years, humankind had an economy based on farming. Till the soil, plant the seed, harvest the crop. Hard to do, but fairly easy to learn. Then for 300 years, we had an economy based on industry. Mold the parts, turn the crank, assemble the product. Hard to do, but also fairly easy to learn. Now, we have an economy based on information. Acquire the knowledge, apply the analytics, use your creativity. Hard to do, hard to learn. And even once you've mastered it, he concluded, you'll have to start learning all over again pretty much every day." End quote. And I loved that quote then. I still love it now. I do think it describes our world pretty well. When I think about our age, I realize sometimes historians think of it as the information age. I've been saying this for a while now. I think it's really the internet age. Or at least, if you're 50 years old as I am, you're not a baby boomer, and you're not a millennial. That's for sure. Some people once used the phrase Gen X, which I never really liked, because to me, it was just a sign that nobody had come up with a good term. But I'm pretty sure we're the internet generation. So if you're somewhere banded between the ages of, let's say, 55 and 35, I think that we really 
helped make this medium sing. We didn't build it. As we know, DARPA and the internet really existed back in the I think it was the late 1960s, but in terms of it coming online, online services and the revolution starting with Amazon in the mid 1990s, I think we're the internet generation and as the internet generation, thinking matters a lot more to us certainly than assembling products or tilling the soil. And so a year ago I thought, what are five stock picks that I can make that would be winners in this thinking world and now we're here as I am want to do to review them and see how they've done. So first one up was these are alphabetically presented Celgene. Ticker symbol CELG. This is the blood cancer, really the dominant provider of real products in the marketplace biotech serving people with blood cancer. Celgene, a company a year ago was trading at $100.83 the morning after this podcast, the open price, which is how I score these things. And as I do this podcast, it's at 123.58, so it's up 22.6%. It's been a good year for Celgene. This is a company, by the way, that had been down, it had lost to the market the year before. So I mentioned the market was down a couple of percentage points this time of year last year. Celgene was down uh, almost 10% over this previous year. Uh, Celgene, a longtime selection for us in Motley Fool Rule Breakers. This is a company that, as of the close of 2016, so as the most recent calendar year just ended, Celgene had sales of $11.2 billion. This is not a small company. A lot of people haven't heard of Celgene, but you shouldn't be among them, Rule Breaker. I hope you were listening a year ago today. We've done pretty well with this stock. The company projects to have $21 billion of sales by the year 2020. So, just four years for a company already with $11 billion in sales, a sizable company, looking at $21 billion of sales four years from now. Um, earnings per share growth, the company in the last year has come out and said this, we will plan to grow our earnings per share for every year from the year 2020 to 2030. That's the kind of predictability that they have built in, not because it's a highly predictable business, biotechnology is not, but because it's invested so much in its pipeline. It has a lot of early new possibilities in the pipeline, not yet factored into its financials. So, this is a company that we highly esteem, given that the stock market over the last year, and that's important to put out there, is up 16.2% as I do this. We'll call 22.6 a win. So, we're one for one Celgene over the last year. And now, stock number two. Stock number two, the ticker symbol is DIS. Anyone? Anyone? Yep, it's Walt Disney. And thinking back on why I made it one of my five winners in a thinking world, I have to admit, I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't think I was even really that clear in the podcast itself a year ago about why Disney for a winner in a thinking world. I'll say this: they shape a lot of people's thinking, and from early ages. And one thing I like about how Disney shapes thinking is that Disney shapes, I think, positive thinking. If you're a longtime rule breaker listener, you know that positivity and optimism are really big things to me. I think they're big traits of successful investors and entrepreneurs, and I think that Disney has that going on. Now, Rogue One was a little bit more of a darker movie, but not really. I thought it was a brilliantly well-done movie. However, Rogue One, which was released in between last year's podcast and this one, while being a box office success, was unable to match Episode Seven as Star Wars came back that previous year. So we do have Star Wars 8. Is it The Last Jedi, Rick? Last Jedi, yes. Yeah, Star Wars 8 to look forward to this year, but the comparables 
against the previous year, which also included a lot of Frozen merchandise being sold, weren't great for Disney in 2016. It has been a company that's been very productive since I last talked about them a year ago. And Beauty and the Beast has done pretty well. Uh, Doctor Strange, I thought, was an excellent uh, Marvel summer movie. Uh, Moana, certainly a success as an animated family flick. So the company has continued to crank out the hits. However, without having the comparables against the big episode seven and the Frozen merchandise of the year before, cash flow is significantly down. I'm happy to say Disney was as a stock up. It was up 10%, pretty much on the dot from where it was a year ago, from 104 to 114. But that's not enough to have beaten the market, so we have to put this one in the loss column as a minus 6.2, 6.2 percentage points behind the market. Of course, I still like this stock. Hint, hint, I pretty much like all five of these stocks still going forward. When I did pick them a year ago, I said a minimum of a three-year time frame. So, we're just really checking in with them early on after one good year. Stock number three. Stock number three is Splunk, the ticker symbol SPLK. Splunk, a year ago, opened May 5th at $49.01 a share. Today, it tips the scales at $65.42. Splunk is up 33.5%, doubling up the market averages, I'm really happy to say, up 17.3 percentage points over the market. This one solidly in the win column. A little bit of foreshadowing, the second biggest winner of these five. So, Splunk, a company that has a really silly name, like a few others that I picked. In fact, these winners in a thinking world, they have silly names. There might be something to that. But I want to just briefly acquaint you with what this company does through the words of Motley Fool analyst Simon Erickson, who does a really nice job capturing Splunk in this squib. I'm reading you data is continually being churned out by mobile phones, tablets, automobiles and other internet-connected devices, some of this data is tidy and structured, such as cash register transactions or inventory logs, but most of it is messy and unstructured. Think of websites generating clickstream logs to monitor users' behavior, automobiles transmitting speeds and coordinates to monitor real-time traffic conditions, or a company's automated machinery continually reporting its pressure and temperature to avoid safety-related accidents. There's tons of value, Simon goes on, hiding in this unstructured machine data if you can make sense of it. And that's where Splunk comes in. Splunk collects and interprets messy data, then presents it in user friendly formats that help business managers make more informed decisions. End quote. Very eloquent, very well pitched. Thank you, Simon. So, if you didn't already know what Splunk is, Splunk has really distinguished itself as being an iPad-friendly app that you can really give to people boots on the ground who are doing the work and need to know data and be able to picture it and see it right there wherever they are. Um, of course, Splunk does many things. It, it does cybersecurity and helps out a lot. So much data, of course, these days needs to be protected. Very strong company. I want to note before moving on to the next one that it had been down 25% the year before we picked it one year ago. So it was a company that had kind of sold off. And it's nice to know that good companies, as they are one to do, can bounce back. So, this has been a really solid performer, and I'm glad it has indeed been a winner in a thinking world. 
All right, we're about to queue up numbers four and five. But first, thanks to Slack for supporting our podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making your working lives simpler and more productive. With Slack, you can reduce emails and streamline your team's communication. It allows you to organize your team with real time messaging, video, or voice calls, group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy to use app. In fact, We use it here at The Motley Fool. It helps us save time and improves productivity. I really love Slack, and I couldn't really pass a working day without it these days. So, no more searching through emails for that one follow up or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. Slack is easy and convenient. It works everywhere you go with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, so you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, it's where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. All right, stock number four, probably my favorite of the batch. Not the top performer, but what an interesting year it's been for this ticker symbol TWTR. Twitter, of course, Twitter. Why is it my favorite? Well, let's just reflect on how volatile this stock has truly been. The two and a half years leading up to last year's podcast, the two and a half years since Twitter had IPO'd, the stock had dropped 70. 70%. When I picked it last year at this time, within five months from May into early October, Twitter was up 75 percentage points. So it was rocking. And I was smiling, thinking, rubbing my hands together greedily, thinking about doing this podcast. And what an incredible winner I'd selected in, in the thinking world in which we live. And by one month ago, That's right. It was just pretty much late March. Twitter at that point was up 0% since I picked it from a year ago. So it had given away all of those 75 percentage points of gains. But now, as we do this podcast, the first week of May, it's up 23%. So we can now look back over the last year that was and see that Twitter is beating the market by 6.8 percentage points. That's right, plus 23.0% over the market, 16.2%. And so, Twitter has been a winner. Now, I know a lot of you, you know that I enjoy Twitter. I use it every day. But I think a recent announcement, which has helped propel the stock in just the last week, tells us something about the value of the platform. So, Twitter, as you may have heard, has partnered with Bloomberg, This fall, Bloomberg will be doing its own live. This is not a pre existing show. This is a new live show, basically a news feed right there for Twitter users, taking advantage of what Twitter probably does best, which is news and news broadcasting. So I'm kind of happy to think that I led off with the Michael Bloomberg quote a year ago, talking about a thinking world. And here's Bloomberg, the company, showing up to prop up my Twitter stock just before I get to reveal to you the results this week in the podcast. Now, of course, Twitter's done many things beyond just that recent Bloomberg announcement over the last year. But I think the reason I continue to believe in this stock, even though it's been a real loser for us from our initial position in Rule Breakers, although when we re-erect it within the last year, it's up and beating the market force, I just believe the the platform itself is irreplaceable. It's one of my SnapTest winners. You've heard the SnapTest before if you're a Rule Breaker follower, a Rule Breaker member. The SnapTest is when you snap your fingers and the company that you're thinking of just disappeared, vanished out of thin air overnight. And the next day, we're all left wondering, did anyone notice? Did anyone care? You pass the snap test if people noticed 
and cared. If people really noticed and cared, and if Twitter literally vanished overnight, I think many, many people would be deeply upset, and there would be no recourse. Yes, maybe something like move over to Facebook or Snap, or but there really isn't anything quite like Twitter. And while the business has not been managed particularly well, I think they're getting smarter. And and I feel really good about this stock going forward the next two plus years, which is after all what this contest, what this podcast is about today. Which brings us to our fifth and final stock. And well, it's ordered that way because of the alphabet and my choice to do these alphabetically, but we've saved the best for last. This stock went up 50% or so quickly after last year's podcast and has pretty much stayed up there ever since. And it's Zillow, the ticker symbol. Is Z. Yep, another silly name for a company that's a winner in a thinking world. We're talking about Twitter, Zillow, Splunk. I like to think the Motley Fools, a silly name, might fit in with that crowd. We're a private company. But Zillow, a year ago, was trading at $28.15. And as I do the podcast this afternoon, Tuesday, May 2nd, it's at $39.61. So Zillow is up 40.7%. 41 percentage points. The market, of course, up 16. So a substantial win for this company. You know, a few years ago, Zillow did one of my favorite things to watch my stocks do in businesses. And that's when they buy out like the other big player within their space. So Trulia, which came public and was doing a similar model to Zillow, online real estate information and listings. Uh, Zillow bought them out and really consolidated its growth space and has been leading, of course, ever since. So, this was the biggest winner by far over the last year for these five stocks. And I like Zillow just as much going forward. And what do I like about Zillow? What do I think you should like about Zillow as we continue to hold this stock? It's one we've held a long time in Rule Breakers. I personally own it, like many of these. It has a full suite of online services that only continues to diversify and grow for brokers, for sellers, for buyers, for renters. This is a company that is really owning the platform going forward, starting here in the U.S. When we think about real estate, whether you want to transact, whether you want to rent, whether you're trying to get noticed as a realtor in a new neighborhood, or you're home shopping out of state, able to click around and see the relative values, the Zestimates, if you will, for homes or neighborhoods that you're looking at. So, this is a company that I think will only become more and more evidently dominant within its space, and I'm really happy to have had it in this list of companies. So, there you have it, one year in, a look at our five winners in the thinking world. Four of them have been winners. So, four out of five ain't bad. It's been a strong market, certainly, but whether or not the market's been strong or weak, I've always tried to mark myself against the S&P 500 and celebrate, even if we're down sometimes, if we're down less than the S&P 500, that's cause for celebration. Certainly, when the market's up, not only do I want to be up, I want to be well ahead of it. And when you take these five stocks all together, and the math that I just shared with you over the course of this podcast, we were up 48.8 percentage points divided by five stocks. We averaged a 9.8 percentage point gain. Basically, with the market up 16.2%, these stocks average a 26.0% 10 percentage point lead over the stock market in the year that has been. Of course, we're all about what happens next, and we're looking two plus years now going forward from that May 2016 podcast. But it was a pleasure, certainly, to be able to share the early results with you and to think again about these five compelling companies. And I said it earlier, any one of these five I would feel very comfortable owning today. Forget about their past results. 
buying today and holding for the next three, five, ten years. That's what we're all about at Rule Breaker Investing, and I know you know that. I mentioned Simon Erickson earlier. Simon is an analyst who works on our Motley Fool Explorer. He's the lead advisor for our Motley Fool Explorer service. And why do I have that on the mind? Well, that's going to be opening up for new members. Uh, it's going to start this weekend. I'm just previewing it now. I'll have a URL next week to share with you to get started with Motley Fool Explorer. But Motley Fool Explorer, we're really excited about. For three plus years now, Explorer takes four stocks from my Supernova universe each month, usually along the lines of a single theme, let's say autonomous cars. And a very talented group of in house analysts here at the Motley Fool vote on which of the four will do the best. And I'm very happy to say that. The average performance of those stocks now over several years exceeds the market by about four percentage points on average. That's just picked out of the barrel of Supernova, but they're exciting themes that are very educational. So I hope you'll take a hard look at Motley Fool Explorer when it opens up this weekend, and we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. Now, speaking of next week, I'm excited to welcome a friend and an interviewee. So it's not just going to be me sitting here talking to myself. Microphone looking across the glass at Rick Engdahl, my producer, who probably gets a little tired of looking at me every single week, every minute, all year long. So, we're going to welcome in a guest. It's Nick Epley. Nick Epley is a psychologist who works out of the University of Chicago. His book, Mindwise, well, let me read the subtitle. Usually, subtitles of these books tell us so much more How We Understand What Others Think, Believe, Feel, and Want. How We Understand What Others Think, believe, feel, and want. No doubt, there will be some investment lessons, but also, I hope it'll be really interesting for you to talk to a talented guy who talks a lot about how we behave, behavioral psychology and economics. So I'm really looking forward to Nick joining with me next week. You can check out past episodes of Rule Breakers and all the Motley Fool podcasts at our podcast center. Just go to podcasts.fool.com. And while you're there, you can check out our flagship service. That's Motley Fool Stock Advisor. A new issue of Stock Advisor comes out the third Friday of the month with two new stock recommendations from me and my brother Tom Gardner. You can check it out by going to the podcast center. Scroll the bottom of the page. That's podcasts.fool.com. Or check out rulebreakers.com to learn more about our service that focuses on disruptive growth stocks like the ones that I've mentioned this week. Well, till next week, Fool on! As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.